Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. My soul is thirsty, Thank you, Father. Thank you for a brand new day. Lord, thank you for the grace to come into your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, because your love is new this morning. New every morning is your love. Our waking upon Christ is proof that through sleep and darkness you safely brought us to a brand new day. And so, Father, we are grateful for this precious morning. We are grateful that we are able to come into your presence to call our Father. We are able to come into your presence to worship the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, be glorified forevermore in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for the grace of knowing you, for the grace of being called your children, for the grace of, of being able to pray to you, we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for this privilege to be called your children. We thank you for this privilege of knowing you. Father, be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus. As we come this morning, we come with thanksgiving for every blessing in our lives, we say thank you. For every grace upon us, we say thank you. For the mercies that we enjoy this morning, we say thank you. Lord, receive all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as we come to learn, to worship, to, to increase in wisdom, we ask Father grant us understanding this morning. Help us learn as we read the word and cause your name to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyenike. All right, let's continue reading uh, First Corinthians. Yesterday we stopped on chapters um, 10. Today we take two more chapters, chapters 11 and 12. Chapter 11 is um, one of the most controversial chapters um, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and I am specific, written to the Corinthian church. Um, and there are lessons for, for us to learn here. Um, you need to pay attention to the fact uh, I've given us a bit of the background knowledge of what was happening in this church at that time. Pay attention to the things that Paul has, has addressed as he has um, <clears throat> built this letter. Remember, it is one old letter written together. Okay, Some of the things that Paul had addressed. He had addressed division. He had addressed people breaking into faction, choosing one leader over the other. He had addressed sexual immorality. He had addressed address eating food offered to idols. Okay, so it is in that context in which you read First Corinthians chapter eleven. So what I want you to pay attention to is to pay attention to when Paul is talking about the married woman, and when Paul is talking about women in general. So the mistake a lot of people make in this chapter is to assume that Paul is talking about women in general and that's the, yes that's where the mistake comes from 
Paul is talking about married women. Marriage, especially, okay, in the context in which he is speaking. In other words, he is speaking to a particular people, the culture of these people, okay, has to be paid attention to. So when you are interpreting this, you need to interpret it in the light of the culture they were in, what was applicable to them, and what will be uh, will be the corresponding application to us today okay so that's how you understand first corinthians chapter 11 and then in chapter 12 uh, it addresses spiritual gifts that we did a study on a few days ago okay so let's read together this morning first corinthians chapter 11 it says and you should and you should imitate me just as i imitate christ remember one time we said look that they shouldn't if they were single, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't bother getting married because of the times that they were in. But here he is talking about imitating him as he imitated Christ, and I'm thinking that was more in terms of behavior and character. Okay, he says, "I am so glad." Talking about instruction for public worship, instructions for public worship. Okay, I am so glad that uh, you always keep me in your in your thoughts, and that you are. You are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. He's talking about public worship. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Okay? So, for a lot of people, all they pay attention to here is the head of the woman is man. Okay, so no attention to the head of every man is Christ, which would obviously you will agree with me. He's not talking about the male, the male counterparts, he's talking about mankind. And then he talks about the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So just look at the 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 connection between the head of Christ is God. Um is there anything about the Trinity that we have read? about any contention about who is better than the other or who should like uh, bear rule over the other between Christ and his father? No. Okay, so what Paul is trying to address here is order. Okay, order that you will have in the family. So let's move on to verse 4. Since a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying okay so he's talking about the man and the woman here right from the beginning of the chapter and right from the beginning of the chapter he's talking about the relationship between the head of the woman and that is only in the context of marriage he's talking about order in marriage okay so he's talking about this also and talking about the man covering his head while prophesying okay it says a man dishonors his head when he does that's why prophesying in the context of marriage okay so he's saying in that culture when a man covers his head so what we need to go and research back was what the corinthian church or the roman empire was like at this time okay men covered their head what was the purpose women covered their heads their heads what should it stand for when a woman covers her head you see see it um a lot in the middle east today 
okay women still wear shawl today so the women who did that okay have showed that they were married to someone okay that was most time that's what it indicated it showed that they were already married and so you were not supposed to approach you were not supposed to approach them she's married to someone she's taken if you want to use that and the man so why will a man need to wear that would mean that he's trying to hide something okay so for a lot of you remember what he, he talked about sexual immorality so what was happening in this time for men who wanted to meet each other who were practicing homosexuality one will put on the veil okay so that they are able to go into a place and then you think one of them is a woman and the other is a man so these are some of the things that were happening in this culture that paul is 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 paying attention to and addressing he says if he covers his head while praying or prophesying he dishonors his head verse 5 but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without covering covering on her head for this is the same as shaving her head yes if she refuses to wear a head covering she should cut off all her hair but since it's shameful for a woman to to have her hair cut on her head uh, to have her hair cut or her hair shaved she should wear a covering remember he is talking about married women he's not talking about women in general who come into into the place of worship okay he's talking about when a married woman comes first of all her head is her husband so she needs to show that she's still in marriage to this person okay she shouldn't come into into the church into church and somebody is toasting her okay so for those of us who um uh, maybe do not understand our local palace of what toasting means in that someone is uh approaches her trying to you know, uh, talk to her as a single woman okay so she has to show that she is married that is what it means about her having a head when she comes into the place of work worship this is but since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut okay um or her head shaved she should wear a covering a man should not wear anything on his head when when worshiping for man is made in god's image and reflects god's glory a woman reflects a man's glory so this is also a very very challenging one men and women are made in the image of god the woman is not made in the image of man okay so again this is in the context of marriage that when a man and a woman decides to enter into a marriage god for the sake of order puts the man as the head of the home okay so it is in that context he is saying that the woman reflects the glory of man it is not that the woman is made in the man's image the woman belongs 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 to the man uh, no no not anything about that or oh, the man is more important than the woman you will see it addressed as it goes on see for the first man didn't come from woman but the first woman came from man that is just our body not the woman herself god made men made them male and female and he made both of them in his image okay this is but the first woman came from man and man was not made 
from woman but woman was made from was made man was not made for woman but woman was made for man for this reason and because the angels are watching a man should wear should a, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority again this is in the context of marriage not women in general okay so you couldn't approach my daughter and tell her that she should wear a covering okay no if she has any authority over her it will be the authority of her father the authority of her mother not the authority of every man in the church it is inside the context of marriage so does that mean that men women are subservient to their husband no Let's read on. You'll get a, a, a little more understanding. It says, but among the lost people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. So if men are not independent of women, it means that they are both subject to each other. It doesn't mean the man is more important than the woman or the woman more important than the man. I read it again. But among the lost people, women are not independent of men. And men are not independent of women. A is equal to B, B is equal to A. It, it, automatically, it doesn't mean A is greater than B or B is greater than A. They are equal. Okay? Men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from, from man, every other man was born from a woman and everything comes from God. Judge for yourself. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her hair, a married woman? Okay, so in our own culture, what would be, so Paul is saying, for example, you know, you're a married woman in Nigeria, okay, in our own culture, you come into a worship place, a worship place where all this sexual immorality is, is happening, okay, where guys are just approaching approaching ladies and they are almost doing what you used to see in those pagan pagan uh, altars where they go to worship all those gods paul is saying as a married woman you must protect yourself let it show that you are a, you are a married woman okay so in our own local palace what will show that you are a married woman <clears throat> will likely be that you have your ring on right yes so you also have to interpret this in the context of the culture. Paul says, judge for yourself. Is it right for a woman, woman, a married woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it is disgraceful for a man to, to have long hair? In that culture, okay, there are many cultures in which long hair for, for, the, for the man, it's, it's fine. But in that culture, it was disgraceful. It says, and isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? In that culture, what is a woman's pride and joy in our own culture? That's what you need to address. In the Nigerian culture, I'm sure uh, so men are free to leave their hair long. But usually, self, your hair will not grow long um, in our own culture. It's just the climate in which, in which we, li we, we are living in. Okay, so interpret this also in terms of the culture that they are they are in but again this is in the context of marriage since and isn't long air for a woman's pride um isn't long air a woman's pride and joy for it has been given to her as a covering 
Uh, but if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom. Did you hear that? Custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. So what Paul is talking about here is customs, okay? Not doctrines. He's talking about here is custom, the custom of the place in, in which he is in, he is addressing. So when you want to address, so in your mind, you understand that what Paul is addressing here is order, wash, order in worship. Um, when married men, married women come into the place of worship, they should be able to show that they are, they are married. Okay, so that at least you have some sen- some sense of order because of what was happening in their own church. Okay, so that that is one. Also, the place of um, if when we come into the place when we come into the the place of worship, we should be able to respect one another. Okay, respect married women for who they are, married men for who for who they are. Okay, these are some of the things that Paul was addressing. And of course, there was the way they dressed in their own culture. These were the things that Paul was addressing. Okay, so that is that. Um, Paul says um, this is custom that we have in the churches, and I don't know any other one. If you go to other churches, I'm sure they will have a different custom. And surely in the church in Nigeria, we have different culture. So now let's look at other at the Lord's Supper. So this one was a very confusing one too. So the Lord's Supper was what Jesus instituted and did with the disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. He broke bread with them and told them they should do this, okay, in remembrance of him. So when they came together to eat the Lord's Supper, they broke from one bread and drank from one cup, okay? And it was to remind them of what Jesus did. It is in that context that Paul is sharing with us. He says, but in the following, but in the following instruction, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. He has addressed that division, right? There are divisions among you as you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be division among you so that you, you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you already to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So, understand the context. The night Jesus was going to be, be betrayed, before they took the Lord, with, they took the communion, for example. Uh-huh. They shared a meal together. So that was what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to share the meal, and in sharing the meal, everybody was supposed to be equal. Everybody was supposed to get something, the poor, the rich, everybody got something. At the end of that meal, then they broke bread and, and ate and remembered Okay, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But what was happening that they would come and some people would just balance there with the bread and eat everything because they were the rich people among them. Or maybe they were the more influential people among them. And so they were not waiting for each other. There was no order there. There was confusion. Paul said, I will not praise you. I will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. 
On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until it comes again. You are remembering what Jesus did on the cross. Says so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord of the Lord. In other words, you are just taking it for granted. That is why you should examine yourself before eating and drinking and eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Don't make this into a doctrine, okay? Just assume this is what Paul is saying about this church. See, but if we would examine, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's supper, wait for each other. Yes, let there be order. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourself when you meet together. I will give you instructions about the other matters after I arrived. Okay, so Paul kept on addressing the different issues that were happening in this church. Okay, so we've looked at two very important ones, um, the Lord's Supper and their eating together and then public worship. It is not what Paul is addressing is worship, public worship. When a man, when a woman, when a married man, a married woman comes into the place of worship and they must be able to show that they, they were married, okay? That's what Paul is addressing, not whether the man is more important than the woman or in the context of a marriage, husbands can do whatever they like. That's not what Paul is addressing. All right, let's go on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This one is speaking about spiritual gifts. We, we treated this, so we'll just read through. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Okay? When it comes to spiritual gifts, there is a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of confusion. Paul says, I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand at all. I want you to have the right knowledge. He says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. This is one way of testing whether a spirit is from God or it is from the devil. Eh? There is no spirit that can declare that Jesus is Lord unless it is from God. Demons will not, they will not declare Jesus as their Lord. Okay? It says by the Spirit. Um, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will cause Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kind, kind of spiritual gifts, but, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Uh, God works in different ways. 
But it is the same God who, work, who does the work in all of us. So pay attention. He's addressing spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. He says, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. The Holy Spirit is the source of the spiritual gifts. He then says there are different kinds of service. He's talking about ministry. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways. Okay? So don't stand and say, oh, the way God works, I understand God. The perspective of God I have seen is the only way. God works in different ways. He says, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Okay? So be very, very, very careful. Since a spiritual gift, so it will not address spiritual gifts. It will address ministry gifts and how God works. Okay, we are already reading about how God works all through the Bible. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose of receiving a spiritual gift is so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift, the gift of healing. Uh, it gives one person the power of power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. It gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from from the from the from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in a known language while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. So I have addressed this thoroughly. Each of us has a gift. Your gift is given to you so that you can help the body, so that you can minister effectively. The gifts are divided into three. The revelational gifts, the power gifts, and the inspirational gifts. Okay? The revelational gifts are the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of the word of knowledge and the discernment of spirits. Uh, let me let me mention it in the context in which he, he, he uses it here. He says to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. That is the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message, gives gives a message of special knowledge. That is the gift of the word of knowledge. And I explained the, um, all of this. Then if you move on down to 10, it says it gives someone else the ability to, to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Okay, that this is, we call this uh, the discernment of spirits. Okay, so these are the revelational gifts. And then you have the gifts, the power gifts. So first of all, it says the same spirit, verse 9, gives great faith. So we call this the gift of faith. Then it says, and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gifts of healing. Yes, these are the gifts that do something. So the gifts of healing. And then the third one among the power gifts, it gives one person the power to perform miracles. Okay, so these are the three gifts okay the power gifts okay and then you have the utterance or inspirational gifts it says it gives um uh, and another the ability to prophesy uh, it gives someone else the ability to uh, no okay no the ability to prophesy 
and then it says still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said okay so those are the three inspirational or utterance gifts the most important thing to note is that the gift is give, are given to us to uh, to be a blessing to the body okay not to show off now paul goes on to explain one body and many parts trying to explain that we are unique and we are different okay so you will have a specific gift you will have a specific specific service god might even work with you in a unique way however you must understand that the reason why god gives you that is for the sake of the body just like the human body does not does not do its own the eye does not say i want to do my own thing very important also that you understand that that's how the body of christ works since the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body so it is with the body of christ some of us are jews some of us are gentiles some of us are slaves and some of us are free but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all have we all share the same spirit in other words what decides is the spirit we share not the fact that one is uh, is one is um, Aousa, one is Igbo, one is yoruba one is a gentile one is a jew one is rich one is poor one is free one is no what should reunite us is christ we are part of the same body since yet yes the body has many different parts not just one part if the food says i am not a part of the body because i am not a hand that does that does not make it any less a part of the body and if the ear says i am not part of the body because i am not an eye would that make it any less a part of the body in the in the context of this i'm telling you so i see a lot of christians so a lot of arguing why are people not more like each other we will be different based on the revelation god each each person has received from god each church will be different okay our callings are different you need to understand this just like the body is different like the one person who told the story of the blind men who were holding on to an elephant and they were describing what an elephant is like and the way they all described the elephant was different one said oh the elephant has you know it's you know it's 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 like it's, uh, uh, the stunk of a tree yes describing the legs Someone said, "Ah, no! An elephant. An elephant has a sharp trunk." Okay, yes, and that's right. And then talked. Uh, one said, "Oh, ah, the elephant is like a snake." Okay, talking about the trunk. And then the one that was holding on to the elephant's tail said, "Ah, the elephant has a very tiny tail. It's a very tiny animal." Oh, sadly, <laughs> wonderfully, they are all correct but they are all describing a part of the body so we are unique and we should accept our uniqueness okay that's what paul is trying to say here and if the here says i am not part of the body because i am not an eye would that make it any less a part of the body no he says if the old body were an eye how would you hear or if your old body were an ear how would you smell anything so our uniqueness is expected but our bodies have many parts let's run our bodies have many parts and god has put each part just where he wants it 
how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, uh, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffer, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are honored. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts of God, of God, some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First apostles, second prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who give, who have the gifts of healing, those who can help help others, those are who have the gifts of leadership, and those who speak in unknown tongues. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gifts of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most useful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Okay? So that concludes First Corinthians chapter 12. What Paul is addressing is that we are unique and we are different. Remember, it talks about the spiritual gifts. It talks about our different ministry and how God works with us. We are unique. Accept our uniqueness. There should not be division in the church just because of our difference. We all are unique. We have our special ability. And with our abilities, we are supposed to be a blessing to the body. Hallelujah. All right. I hope you have learned something here this morning. I want us to begin to pray, Father, that as we go this morning... Once again, we bless you. We thank you for the wisdom you have shared with us. Father, help us to practice these things. Lord, to practice love. Lord, there will not be divisions in our church. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we will honor marriage. Father, we will respect one another. We will submit to one another. In the mighty name of Jesus. We will not break up our marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Enjoy your day.